today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Yes, it's the family day weekend. It's a long weekend for a lot of people coming up, and God knows we could use a break because of what's gone on with the pandemic over the last little while. But it is also Valentine's Day. Yeah, on Sunday. it's val- I'm just reminding people so you can go get the cards. Don't be that person that has to go in there, you know, late Saturday night and, you know, pick over the two or three cards that are left in the store after all the others have done their things. But it's also, of course, it's the time for romance, and we consider with all the, the people that are, are happily in love and those that are still looking for love, sometimes in all the wrong places. It's an old country song. But anyway, uh, so how do you approach something like that? Well, Ian Wilson is a psychology professor at Wilfrid Lee University, uh, says that Valentine's Day can be tough for singles because of the connotations attached to dating. Having a single long-term romantic relationship is certainly not the only way to be happy. Um, but having fulfilling relationships of various sorts, right, so social connections, people that you can talk to, people that you trust and that sort of thing, that's really important. But having a romantic relationship might actually be prioritized more by society than it needs to be. So how do you approach something like this, and, and how scientific and how accurate can you be with your emotions in determining whether or not that person that you're going out with, that one that you want to be your significant other, is actually the right person? Uh, Lauren Gazipur is a social and personality psychology PhD candidate at McGill University in Montreal, uh, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Lauren, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us today. Ah, thank you for having me and highlighting and, this research. Well, and happy almost Valentine's Day. It's it's the <laughs> the day of love, the day where we look for that 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 one individual who's going to make our lives whole. How do you make that determination? Uh, there's so many different phrases that come into play here. But talk to us about the research you've done about this, about uh, about first impressions, and and how that can impact a relationship. So, I mean, first impressions are very very complicated. There are so many things that come into it you know, physical attraction being one of them. So I really focus specifically on the personality element. Mm -hmm. And uh, based on personality, it's, uh, again, it's nuanced. But what we typically find is in more lower stakes settings, so if you're meeting a a classmate, for example, seeing who they are, having a really good gauge of their personality typically promotes liking them and maybe wanting to hang out with them in the future. But what we find in a speed dating setting specifically is that the more accurately you gauge somebody's personality, the less you typically are romantically interested in them and wanting to pursue uh, a relationship with them. And so obviously that's a bit interesting, but also Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense when you think about it, that even though we are able to make that snap judgment in a very short amount of time, it might be that because of the higher stakes situation of the first date, people might be overly critical and really evaluative. And so I see who you are. You know what? I think maybe there are too many red flags here. Maybe you're a little bit too too organized for what I like in my lifestyle. And so I'm going to just move on. And that can be maybe especially detrimental when we consider the the current dating culture where, you know, with apps, a, a new dating partner is a little bit more readily available. And so maybe you're less inclined to give someone a second date because of this sort of uh, more critical thinking when you're when you're meeting this first time. Now, we should mention to our, our listeners as well that uh, you've actually done some scientific research on this. This is not anecdotal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 372 participants in a speed dating event uh, in Montreal mm-hmm. that, ha- that happened over a period of time. Uh, mm-hmm. t- talk to us about the reactions from the, the participants in this, because uh, there's obviously the initial responses you've just articulated, but th- then they were asked to do a questionnaire afterwards about, uh, mm-hmm. about how their experience went. And what, what did you find? 
So yeah, so we, we hold these events at a bar at McGill University to keep it really as naturalistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So very much in line with typical speed dating events that people pay to go to. Uh, the only difference being, obviously, that everyone is uh, armed with a, with a clipboard, with a questionnaire. And so what we have them do is they, they meet, they talk for three minutes about whatever they want. After that, uh, we signal for them to fill out their questionnaire. So they rate each other's personalities and then how much they, uh, they like them or are willing to date them in the future. Um, in terms of how they enjoy the experience that itself, we don't actually follow up to find out how that goes. But I can tell you that we do have a number of people who do, uh, do match and then go on to, to date in the future. So those first impressions, you know, the old cliche that you only have one chance to make a good first impression, that, that's critical, I guess, in a relationship. I mean, yeah, I would say it's, again, it, it's difficult because it's forming or seeing someone positively, that definitely promotes romantic interest, and that's great. But I would say that people might, if the goal is to be in a relationship, then on a first date, maybe you want to temper your desire to be overly critical, really give them some time, see if they can go on one or two, three dates before you make a decision about whether or not uh, you want to date this person. Do we go in there at any given meeting? And it could be like, as I say, scientific sort of a situation that you've just articulated at the bar in McGill. Or it could be a chance meeting. You know, a, a friend common to both people says, hey, you guys should get together. Do we go in there with, with high expectations? Do we put too much pressure on ourselves to perform? I mean, I can't really, I can't answer that specifically with data, but uh, I do think that, you know, people... People want to be a little bit more relaxed, and especially we did find in this study that those, the people who are seen more accurately are typically people who are higher in well-being. So people who have higher self-esteem, uh, they're happier with what's going on in their lives. Um, those are the people who do seem to come across more as themselves to others. And uh, so while we don't know the, the consequences for those people in particular, uh, it does seem that those, those people are seen more accurately in first impressions. So if you're putting pressure on yourself and that causes you to not act in line with who you are or uh, comes across more that you are maybe lower in self-esteem, that may potentially be harmful. Um, so, yeah, coming in and trying to be yourself, I think, is, uh, is always the, maybe the best move. Okay, because I'm trying to take all this information that you've gathered uh, in, in all the research you've done, and, and I'm trying to juxtapose that against all the, 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 the movies you see on the Hallmark Network or the Women's right. Network, uh, because it's wholly different. You understand that they, they've got it wrong, Laura, because in just about every one of those movies, uh, the couple doesn't like each other the first part of the movie, uh, right. and they grow on each other all of a sudden, and right. then it's just like, boom, this awakening. And, and, and of course, we have, you know how those are happily ever after. That's how they always end in situations like that. But do we, you know, do we always give ourselves that amount of time uh, to, to do that? Or are we looking for, you know, we, we live in a fast food society. We've all known that. You, you want results right away, uh, just mm-hmm. about everything. Uh, do we have enough patience to let a relationship grow? Well, that's what's really funny. Actually, we use one of those movies, as uh-huh. a couple in particular, in our, in our paper as an example. Uh, because what we do know, actually, is in established romantic relationships, it is, does seem to be more beneficial that you accurately perceive your partner's personality. You know who they are, and, and that makes sense. You don't want to be with someone for you know uh, a significant period of time and not have a good idea of who they are. Uh, so what we're interested in seeing, we're actually following these couples over time to see when is it in relationship development that this sort of accuracy might become beneficial. 
because, yeah, I, I would agree with you. But, again, I think it's sort of people need to really temper this uh, this desire to be overly critical and just sort of wear these rose-colored glasses on the first date. But then, as you're saying, maybe over time, you need to then switch it back on and be like, okay, who who is this person really? Are they likely to be compatible? But you just don't want to be um, ruling potential matches really right out the gate. But no, this is a, this is a question we very very much want to look into, and we are we are looking at it. Uh, we're just compiling that data. What about common interests? Is that critical? Yeah. So the research right now typically looks at already established couples, so it's hard mm-hmm. to know whether the common interests occurred before they started dating or if they started becoming interested in the same thing during the uh, during their relationship. So it's a bit hard to disentangle that, but that is a variable that we've been looking at and uh, are interested. I mean, I, I'm curious because I've seen some some thoughts about people um, people meshing over their dislike of the same thing as well as their liking of the same thing. So, <laughs> well, that's why I say yeah, common interest. It doesn't necessarily yeah, exactly. like. Sometimes, you know, yeah, I can't stand that. I can't stand that either. And, uh, exactly. oh, there's a bond all of a sudden. Exactly, yeah. So that, no, that can happen. I'm interested in that. But there's, there's for sure so many nuances to all of these things. Are you a romantic? Am I romantic? Uh, yeah, I am, actually. I uh, I met my husband. He is uh, he was a participant in, in this research project. So Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was love at first sight. So it's very hard. For I was to say that was my next romantic. question. So clearly, you believe in that. I, it's actually it's funny because, as I said, the what we found was that seeing somebody's personality accurately predicted less romantic interest. But you know, I felt I had a very good gauge of him that first meeting at that speed dating event for the study. So it's actually guided some of our conversations about this research. And obviously, everything occurs on average, but. You know, we've been curious to see what was it that maybe um, overrode that specific association for me in this case, that I, you know, I did like him, but I did also see him as he was. Yeah, no, I'm not critical. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way. My wife and I was love at first sight. I mean, within mm-hmm. seconds, I thought, this is, this is, this is going to be, fa-. and it's been, it has been, it gets better every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to run this by a, a sociologist, uh, sociologist friend of mine who was on the show a number of times, and he disagreed with it, you know, because right? they're, they're looking at this clinically. And he said, there's no such thing as love at first sight, so we don't talk <laughs> anymore, he and I, uh, because he's just, he's wrong, and I'm right, and that's what it comes down to. Because I've seen it happen so many times where people just, th- th- almost the second they, they meet each other, there's a bond and I know as you say sometimes physical attraction kind of rules and that might override everything but there's more to it when you you feel that bond right away isn't there absolutely absolutely and there's something interesting I, I heard a researcher out of um, Western University actually Dr. Samantha Noel she gave a great talk one year and she talked about how you know you might have all of these ducks perfectly aligned but maybe on your first date if you didn't mention that trip to New Zealand for example you wouldn't have realized you had that commonality or, you know, if these certain things didn't happen on the first date, maybe it wouldn't have actually progressed the way that it did. So it's very hard for us to really come up with this magic formula because things can go so perfectly that one time, but if, it, if you didn't have it in that exact sequence, uh, maybe it wouldn't have happened, which definitely brings in the romantic element again of, you know, is it fate? What is it that these things perfectly happen at the right moment? 
Yeah, I'm a well, I'm a big believer in that too. I mean, you know, and, and that was that was obviously one of the themes that Shakespeare wrote about all the time too. You know, the love at first sight and and you know that sort of mm-hmm. thing and the strong bond. But uh, you're right. I mean, you know, I mean, the study you guys did, 372 participants. There's probably 372 different w- perspectives on that uh, as to whether yeah. or not it works because it it really is. It's up to with the individuals, I guess, involved in and and chemistry, which is a big mm-hmm. part of that. Mm-hmm. Serendipity, another great movie, by the way. Uh, <laughs> John Cusack. I, we can go through this whole thing. But I, I think that's why movies like that are so popular because they they strike a chord. They resonate with people that said, "Yeah, that's how it happened with me." Absolutely, and I think people like to hold out for hope that they maybe don't have to put a lot of work into it, or if things aren't going well, it's okay. This moment might just strike; it will fall into my lap. You know, it's always nice to feel like you don't have to have huge control over something. So, with the work that you've done so far. Uh, what kind of response are you getting? I mean, as, as you do this research and, and, and obviously uh, with the work that you're going to be doing as a PhD candidate, uh, you're going to at some point have to draw some conclusions or at least make some, some, some statements about the data that you've assumed so far. Has, has the work that you've done here and the information you've gathered, has it changed your attitude at all? Ah, it's a really, yeah, it's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny but I... I I started working with my supervisor, Dr. Lauren Human at McGill, because largely she was looking at first impressions. And in our meeting, our first meeting, we discussed, you know, the consequences of them. Are they important or is it? I think sometimes we really focus so heavily on bias in our research and Mm -hmm. the role biases play. And so wanting to really just like, does it matter to actually see someone for who they are? And uh, when I started my PhD, I was fresh out of a very long-term relationship and was feeling, you know, could it, if I had known things differently from the outset, could I have saved myself a lot of heartache? And uh, so, yeah, at, at the time, the only research that uh, was sort of looking at this question was in these more lower stakes contexts of uh, in a classroom setting, platonic friends. And as I mentioned, seeing people for who they are really seemed to promote liking. So that's what I was going into it with, but I always had this intuition that there would be a lot more to the story and it wouldn't be this sort of blanket situation. So the more we dive deeper into this, the more we're finding that that's true, is that seeing someone for who they are can really, the consequences of that can change depending on the context, who, uh, what your motivation is, what the, the personality of the person being perceived, what, they, what they're dropping down for you to pick up. There are all these elements or, or what's going on between you two as a couple. Um, you know, there are all these other elements that you're bringing into it. That just sort of can really, oh, sure. You know, and, and while that can seem really frustrating and scary, I just find that more and more interesting that there's just sort of we dig deeper and deeper into this hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're doing it together. And that's the important exactly. part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, this is fascinating. Thanks so much for the time today. Good luck with the, with the paper, and, uh, and thanks so much for spending some time with us. And happy Valentine's Thank Day. Thank you so much for highlighting this research. I appreciate it. And happy Valentine's okay. Day to you, too. Take care, Lauren. Lauren Gazakur, of course, uh, from McGill University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.